Eit squitch on the shilta. It's Nick here, and you're listening to Wilnoch Radio on CFUV 101.9 FM. Within the hour, you will hear percentage voices, songs, stories, and art. Eit squitchilhela. The Native Students Union is for and run by Indigenous students. Our space includes a lounge, computers, printing, a phone, and lunchroom. Stop by the UVic Student Union Building, room B023, from 9am to 9pm, Monday to Saturday, or find us on Facebook, Twitter, or Instagram at the handle UVicNSU, or our website, uvicnsu.ca, to stay up to date on upcoming social or cultural events. All right, it's Nick here again for episode three of Huilnoch Radio. I'm pretty excited for this episode. I have two artists two artists featured on today's episode. It would have been four, but the interviews were so good, I have to feature the next two on next week's episode. Today we will have Jesse Campbell and Sarah Jim. And um, up first, I get to interview Jesse Campbell about his art and his work and here it is. I hope you guys enjoy. I'm Jesse Campbell. I'm a Métis and Cree visual artist on my mother's side, and I'm a professional mural painter. I've been painting murals for, well, since about 2010 now. So how long have you been painting for? I started in 2010, uh, painting murals specifically. I've been artistic my whole life, but um, in 2010 we did the phase two of the Unity Wall project down at Ogden Point, and that was with a, uh, a group of other First Nations artists, and that was mainly producing the work of Butch Dick and Darling Gate from the Songhees and Esquimalt Nations, and uh, that was really the first time I, I ever really tried painting on such a scale and tried painting murals at all. But it was a very positive experience, and it seems to have been you know kind of a kind of a catalyst for a lot of good things. So, mm-hmm. when you're painting a mural, how would you deal with the open space and people walking by, or what are your experiences with that? Well, in the past. Um, most people have been nothing but respectful. Mm-hmm. I will say that. But there's always, you know, in every hundred people, we probably get two or three that are just kind of jerks. You know, occasionally we get vandalism, but generally people are pretty respectful. And people who say are of, of the community, you know, the vandal community, or they're they're pretty, they kind of know each other and they know, okay, this guy's got to get a warning, you know, we got we to gotta straighten him out. But it seems to be overwhelmingly the middle-aged, light-skinned, nothing better to do on a weekday mm-hmm. group that likes to comment and be like, I don't want to see that native BS on the wall. And as an artist, all I can do is listen and be like, why do you feel this way? Or I just plug my headphones in and wait for them to go away, you know, because mm-hmm. generally if I become calmer, they just get confused and leave. Yeah. But we have had past situations and Nicole Neidhart and, and uh, some of the other artists I've worked with can speak to this a bit more. We have had people go on like racist rants and they're just going off. And I imagine it's because uh, the other artists were female. Oh, yeah. And also in this particular case uh, where, I'm, where I'm referring to is on the breakwater. And so they have the walkway up top and then the artists are down below working on the outside wall. And so there is like the physical height difference where mm-hmm. they're up here and they have this like physical barrier of the concrete while you're working down below and so they can yeah. shout stuff down to you. And with that, I mean, it was really surprising because... It's the first time in my life I kind of realized that people were this openly racist. You know, we kind of lived in this weird liberal bubble. Yeah. You know, Uvic or Camosun or <laughs> Victoria. But then we have all these little yeah. individuals 
who feel the need to be that aggressive, you know, and that, that opinionated and that, that ignorant. And I think um, an important exercise for me in particular when dealing with that kind of negativity and like when I go out and try and get a, get a mural space, I've had people just saying like they don't want native art here. Can you paint me an advertisement for our building? Like, mm-hmm. no, that's not what I'm here for. Yeah. Go pay a sign painter. Go pay someone who works in that specifically. Don't, don't like try and get a commission through me under the guise of art Mm-hmm. and try and turn into something to represent you and your business and remove my artistic integrity, right? Yeah. But an important exercise from that became like, okay, we had two people out of 100 people over a week say something ignorant. We have 98 people who just love what I'm doing. Do the math on that. Yeah. That's 2%. Mm-hmm. You know, yeah. I mean, how many people walk by? Thousands of people walk, walk by. Maybe two or three will will not like it. Maybe one will actually say something. But everyone else is just like, is glad that you're there and they're glad that you're doing your work. Mm-hmm. And I want to say that to like all the young artists who are listening to this, man. Like we're, we're own like we're self-critics. Like I am the harshest dude <laughs> when it comes to my own, my own work. <laughs> but when it comes to negativity or anything that you may perceive as negativity, the vast majority of people are just stoked that you're out there and they want to see your work and they will support you. And no matter what, you got to listen to them. Yeah, because it's not gonna it's not gonna get easier if you just focus on on the weak people. Yeah, you know? yeah, that was good to just, especially when it is only like the two out of like you said all the many people that do admire your work. That was good just to ignore the yeah, guess, you push out the negativity. You <laughs> yeah. know, I mean, it's um, it's really interesting being an artist in the public space because everyone has an opinion because they feel like they own public space mm-hmm. in a way they do. I think there is a space for community consultation. There absolutely is. I, I believe that on a private wall, if you're, you know, if you own that building or you think you own that building, and um, you have a wall, yeah, you have a right to say if I, what I paint on it. That's mm-hmm. that's fair. But if it's private space like the Breakwater, and I've been asked to paint there, and I've been asked to paint this. You really don't have anything to say, man. I mean, mm-hmm. this is kind of this is our deal. You can complain as much as you want. You can say that you're a purist and you want a blank wall, but I mean, you're just you're in the minority. Yeah. You know, and I think it's especially difficult for. Um, artists of color and female artists and other mural painters and other artists in the in the public space to sort of deal with that because mm-hmm. you're really putting yourself out there. Yeah, I mean you're really I mean showing people your work. Period is is very exposing. Having your work up there permanently or semi permanently for months on end, having it out there and having your name attached to it is very very exposing. Mm-hmm. And to think that you know a couple offhand comments is going to like just completely remove that aspect from your life is just kind of like sabotaging, you know? Mm-hmm. And especially when it comes to things as, as racism, such as racism, such as uh, sexism, such, such as homophobia, these things that which, which do exist in this community. Yeah. You know, it's um, it becomes a sort of a sounding board in some ways because people always feel like they need to talk about art. Yeah. I think that's also the power of art. It gives those people a voice, but also gives you a voice for response, and it gives the other people in the surrounding area a voice for response. Mm-hmm. And I think dialogue is the key thing that comes out of public art. Is that because what's in the public space, it's not tucked away in some weird little, yeah. you know, you gotta pay for admission, you gotta, you know, you gotta be yeah. have a certain type of person to go watch art shows or whatever. Mm-hmm. You're on the streets and you have that dialogue, whether someone's there or not. Mm-hmm. And I think that's the power, but also sort of the fragility as an artist. You got to like put yourself out there and, and be exposed to those waves, you know? Yeah. What inspired you to start painting? 
To be honest, what inspired me to get into painting was I was always attached to like markers and pencil crayons and stuff like that as a kid. And I just like the smoothness of it. I just like the nice clean lines. And um, when I had the opportunity to sort of take up painting and really try and, well, I didn't really paint at all actually before I started painting murals. Um, you know, oh man, I really got to learn quick now. I got the job and uh, it sort of took off from there. I mean, I'm still a very sort of fill in the space kind of painter. I'm not super painterly and, and blending, but I think that I find using paint really kind of connects me to what the visual subject is. Um, you know, shading, you know, using using any sort of medium will, will do that. But for some reason, I just find the meditative practice of painting just kind of draws me. It's just, you know, hits the buttons, I guess. You already kind of answered this. What kind of art do you do? So, um, I've done a lot of different types of art. I mean, um, when I was in high school, I actually wanted to be a scientific illustrator. So doing, you know, artwork for textbooks and signs and stuff like that. And um, I'm still very uh, involved in, you know, the marine biology sort of community and, and stuff like that. But when, when I was in high school, I sort of got more involved with the indigenous arts, mainly through my auntie. She's, she's Haida. And I really want to sort of, she encouraged me to sort of, you know, start practicing more Haida style art and... I was, I was mentored through um, Alex Clark in the, uh, the Great Victoria School District to sort of pursue that a little bit as well. And of course, throughout my life, I grew up in uh, traditional Coast Salish territory with the Lekwungen people and the people up in Comox. And I was always surrounded by Coast Salish art. And I really, I really admired it. I, I admired just the storytelling aspect and all that. And it really encouraged me to sort of start asking more questions about my own heritage. Mm-hmm. And so I learned a bit more about my Métis heritage. But of course, as, as any sort of... I guess expat of the prairies will tell you a lot of times when you're trying to learn learn about your heritage and you know why are we out here now you know the story gets kind of muddy right mm-hmm. and so I realized that in trying to learn about my my history I'm gonna have to learn a lot more about my family history and a lot more about my parents and you know a lot of a lot of cobwebs in that pursuit of practicing art I've learned a lot more about I guess my family and how to sort of navigate those waters sometimes mm-hmm. they're a bit treacherous and really try and revitalize the history that was that was kind of lost when you know, we, we moved out here and when a lot of those family ties were kind of separated. Are there any um, current art trends that you are following when you do your work? I'm not really not really big into trends, but one of the things I really try and, I guess it's been more of a theme, is uh, I like doing just kind of more non-traditional colors, I guess. Oh. You know, I'm a big fan of the black, red, and white, um, but I've been using a lot of a lot of different palettes based off of the Métis sash. So we use a lot of greens and some some blues and some whites and stuff like that. And I like to incorporate that into my work. Uh, different sort of geometric shapes as well now. We're sort of breaking out of what I was taught to do in you know in terms of ovoids and U shapes and more more West Coast kind of um, you know say Haida or Coast Salish style design yeah. and learn to incorporate my Métis heritage with with my teachings on the coast here. And, and create something new and something bold. Do you have a signature thing that you put into your work that you always have to incorporate into your work? I wouldn't say I have one, say, icon in particular, but I do like to incorporate things. I'm, a, I'm into history. I like history. I like uncovering these stories that sort of been lost. And one of the things I like to, to examine is sort of analogous stories between nations. Uh, a few years ago, as part of an exhibition, I painted a mural based off of the Cree flood story. And so I took the the Cree flood story in Cree, translate to English, and then I retranslate it into uh, syllabics. Oh, cool. So uh, I, an adulterated sort of text form of the Cree language. And then I sort of used another sort of flood story to paint a mural down in, um, it's on Gorge Road, but in Rock Bay, mm-hmm. a big arbutus tree. And that's uh, 
representative of the flood story of the uh, of the Wasatic Nation. Oh yeah, yeah. Incorporating the um, you know the the great Arbutus tree that the canoes were tied to and whatnot. So I sort of wanted to create that presence of, of both uh, the Wasatic people within that territory and within this particular space, but also because it's on a church, yeah. you know, and you know, all the history involved with that, I kind of want to c- claim that space a little bit, mm-hmm. but also acknowledge that they have their own flood story yeah. and sort of create this sort of interplay of, um, of, of histories. Yeah, I think that's pretty cool because that's what the logo for Will Know Radio, it's the name of the show, that's what it is. It's an Arbutus tree. Yeah. So I thought, yeah, that's pretty cool. And that kind of, I always kind of go back to our flood story too because I really like it and I really like the, the Will Know Mountain that it's mm. the mountain that saved us at mm-hmm. Mount Newton out there yeah, in yeah. San Antonio. Yeah. yeah. There's someone about the um, hearing the flood story because it is a story of, of community, you mm-hmm. know. And I find that whenever. We talk about uh, issues re- regarding, you know, you know, my my respective community, or we talk about First Nations issues. There seems to be like this compartmentalization. And whenever I hear that story, I just realize that we were all together at one point. You know what I mean? We were yeah. all like, you know, we all bleed red. We're all together, mm-hmm. and it's kind of um, well, it is kind of like an apocalyptic scenario. <laughs> but it's this, it's almost like a longing to go back to that that space where we were all like had each other's back. Mm-hmm. And I like going into that space when I'm painting. Yeah, you know, that's cool. For painting a mural in a public space, like this is, we're all enjoying this together. Mm-hmm. You know? Yeah. Can you tell me maybe a bit about your first piece of artwork that you've created and maybe? Uh, my first was? public piece? Yeah. I guess the first piece that I designed that's in the public space would have been the, um, would have been a piece of the uh, phase two of the Union Wall, actually. Oh, cool. uh, so down at Ogden Point there, down towards the end of phase two, uh, you'll see a, a spring salmon jumping out of the water. Mm-hmm. And uh, my dad was a, was a fisherman for, I guess, over 30 years. Uh, we, we had a, a boat called Supreme Number no. 1. We, we'd pack salmon. And uh, in that year, we, um, we ended up doing a, a salmon run on the Fraser. And this was actually the largest salmon run that the Fraser River had seen in over 100 years. And I remember being on that boat, and we were, we were traveling up from, from Steveson and seeing all these, look like dolphins, like these giant salmon jumping out of the water. Like, it was really? comical. And every, when we were going up there, we, we, we'd buy off the Catesy Band, and uh, we'd, we'd only deal with um, the First Nations mostly. And when we're up there, everyone's just like has this huge smiles on their faces. You know, they're getting paid, <laughs> yeah. right? Yeah. Everyone's, mm-hmm. everyone's got their freezers full yeah. and everyone's just pulling in full nets. Yeah. And we were all just stoked. And it was, it was one of, it was the hardest, at that time, it was the hardest I ever worked in my life. And it really gave me an appreciation for, for that community. You know, we mm-hmm. all come together to take part in this resource and we're all sharing and we're all happy. And... I kind of wanted to put that memory on the wall. And I wanted to sort of acknowledge in that mural, we have a lot of colonial history. And we have a lot of sort of juxtaposition between traditional and contemporary and colonial and First Nations in this territory. And I want to put that salmon there to sort of acknowledge that we are still of the land. And Mm -hmm. that if we remove that resource, I mean, we're all going to suffer. And we both have to sort of acknowledge that this is this space is much bigger than all yeah. of us, you know. And yeah. We need to acknowledge that relationship. Mm-hmm. Is there a certain routine that you follow every time you do your work? Well, I have a bit of a... It really depends on the site when it comes to murals. Yeah. But when it comes to just uh, in general, I mean, I got to put my music on. Yeah. You know, I'm a, a big hip hop fan. Mm-hmm. I have to get moving around a little bit. I right. have to. I can't just sit there and draw anymore. I mean, mm-hmm. I used to do it just to escape. You know, I'd be listening to the teacher and I'd be drawing, and yeah. they'd yell at me because it's like, well, you're not paying attention. <laughs> well, I am paying attention. I pay better attention when I'm drawing. Right? Yeah, like I have my music on. Like I said, I gotta move around and I gotta have the coffee. Oh right, gotta yeah, get the coffee. And mm-hmm. but uh, I'd say a bigger part of my overall process is just. 
understanding an idea and lately it's been communication actually oh, okay. just bouncing ideas off of each other and we we often find that we have a common thread just with random people you know anyone really mm-hmm. and it's, it's really amazing to see that you have these half-baked sort of whatever thought exercises in your head and then you mm-hmm. realize that someone else has been thinking that as well and it's like wow this is this is cool we should really yeah. explore this you know yeah that's cool how would you deal with i guess a creative block like when you're in the middle of painting but you don't know which direction to take how would you deal with that when it comes to creative block i mean it's i, I come from a bit of a, a sports background when we're having a bit of stagnation in say training or a preparation for something a big part of what we have to do there is sort of acknowledge that that block exists mm-hmm. and realize that that's part of the process yeah, you can push through and yeah, you can be frustrated and yeah, you can risk ruining a painting or whatever. But sometimes you just have to sort of step aside and look at it from a different angle, mm-hmm. um, both literally and mentally, you know. Mm-hmm. Uh, a big thing I like to do when I'm, I'm sort of stuck on a painting is just, I practice my signature a lot. Oh, right. It's kind of weird, but um, yeah. I remember being in like elementary school and we had this teacher, he just had us like scribble on a page to like the sound of music. Mm-hmm. And it just stuck with me for some reason. Like, it's this weird kind of, like, you feel the texture of the page and the pressure on the pen. And it's kind of, it's kind of relaxing. And, you know, I, I just, I just practice my signature. I do all these other things. And usually in that space, you know, I'll listen to a podcast and something sort of comes up and eventually I'll go back. Oh, wow. That's you know, it might be weeks later sometimes or months later, but yeah. uh, sometimes you come back and you have a fresh perspective and it really adds to the overall piece, you know? Mm-hmm. You gotta, you gotta, you can't wait for yeah. the inspiration to come. You gotta sort of just acknowledge the process mm-hmm. and appreciate for what it is. Yeah, well, that's cool. You recently did the sacred art show at the city hall with a bunch of other mm-hmm. artists, and your mural there was the herring, right, in the ocean. And how did you kind of come up with that idea or concept for the mural? Uh, the title of the herring mural is is Lequang, uh, which means herring. Of course, Lekwungen is, is uh, a place to smoke herring, of course, mm-hmm. this territory. Again, going back to sort of my background in marine biology, I've always been interested in the herring. We used to fish herring back when you know, we were working on the fish boat. And uh, again, it's one of these resources that was, well, I shouldn't say resource, it's, it's, it's part of the community. These fish are a part of the community that's, that have been integral to the survival of the people of this territory for thousands of years. Mm-hmm. And it's really an important part of the whole biosphere. And when I was asked to paint at City Hall, I was kind of like, oh, man, we're going on the mothership. You know, this is, <laughs> this is wild. They're really not going to like me. Mm-hmm. I, like, I took a picture in, like, the mayor's chair, like, you know, being all, all G'd out and stuff. And yeah. I'm like, oh, I'm going to get, like, tackled or something. This is, <laughs> I'm not supposed to be here, right? Yeah. Um, but uh, the idea around the, around the Lekwung mural was to acknowledge all the change and all the hurt that's been legislated in that building. Mm-hmm. City Hall has done a lot of things. A lot of things against the local First Nations, a lot of things that have hurt a lot of people. All not because of, say, some sort of decree, all because of sort of misaligned intentions is sort of how I see it. And a lot of that has caused a lot of harm to the to the herring population mm-hmm. and to the, the ecological community at large in the South Island. And considering that the herring were such an important part of the community for the for the Esquimalt and the Songhees Nation, I sort of wanted to acknowledge that that hurt happened a big part because of this building and that if they they're serious about this sort of reconciliation thing they keep putting out there yeah. if they're serious about these relationship building things if they're serious about actual change we also have to acknowledge the change in the land mm-hmm. we also have to acknowledge the, the history we also have to acknowledge what we're actually going to do not just what we're talking about yeah you know and a big part of that for me was 
bring the herring home. Oh, on on the outside of the uni wall, I painted a couple of herring because you know the historic herring run in the gorge watery has pretty much been decimated. Mm-hmm. And I wanted to create sort of a couple icons, a male and a female herring, so that if they were swimming out in the water, they'd know that there was someone there waiting for them to come home. Oh, wow, that's cool. And I wanted to put those herring in the uh, in city hall again mm-hmm. to sort of claim that space for them and yep. to to uh, to acknowledge to passersby that these are part of the community mm-hmm. and to welcome them home back to this territory again. Wow. And then do you have any upcoming shows or work coming up? Actually, next month I'm kind of going off the deep end. You know, I've always mm-hmm. kind of worked and gone to school and, yeah. and done that sort of thing. Mm-hmm. Uh, so for August, I'm, I'm taking the month off just to try and do the pro artist oh, thing for yeah. a while. Yeah. A little nervous. Um, <laughs> yeah. Uh, but I have a commission out in Discovery Island, actually. Wow. Off Oak Bay. I, I've worked with uh, Joan Morris in the past and, and of course, the, the Songhees Nation out on Chatham Island a little bit. Mm-hmm. Uh, we filmed a documentary out there and, and um, of course, I worked with Eli Hurdle on, mm-hmm. on past documentary. And uh, I'm working with a, a guy, David Green, out in, out in Discovery to sort of paint a mural on an old cistern that's out there. And we want to paint the... Um, the wolf of Discovery mm-hmm. Island, and so I've I've commissioned a, a local artist, uh, Jenna Lancaster, to to depict that wolf in, of course, the style of you know her her nation, and and put that on there to sort of acknowledge the space for all the visitors that this is this is this is actually this guy's island. You know, <laughs> yeah, this is yeah. <laughs> your visitor, you know. Yeah, yeah. So that's sure. what I got coming up, but um, other than that, I'm just trying to find more mural space, keep painting, and nice. keep busy, you know. Yeah. That's what's good to keep busy. What role do you think artists have within society? I think the artists are the catalyst for ideas, you know. It's kind of like your parents. Mm-hmm. This is going to sound weird, but I think it's only when you don't have your parents around you really realize all the stuff they've done. Yeah. And it's only when you don't have art around you really realize, like, this is, wow, this, this kind of sucks, you know. Yeah. And I think within Victoria especially, I find it's kind of difficult. It's, well, for my Toronto friends, they're saying it's very difficult to be an artist in this town, like, unreasonably so. But I know there's a lot of people out here doing good work in order to promote mm-hmm. artists and to support them. And I think that Victoria is still going through a lot of growing pains when it comes to incorporating indigenous artists within this, this space, mm-hmm. within this, um, this city you know, that we call Victoria, it's in these traditional territories. And I think that in doing so, we're going to sort of get past this sort of last, last British outpost kind of uptight block that seems to permeate this town, mm-hmm. you know. I mean, it mm-hmm. sounds kind of harsh, but yeah. people who move here know exactly what I'm talking about. <laughs> yeah. Where can people check out your work out in the public if they want to see it? Well, I got a, I got around a dozen murals I've been a part of or I've, I've painted. Um, some the most visible ones are down at Ogden Point, down at the breakwater there. Yeah. Those ones we've produced, those are... Uh, the majority of the work is done by Butch Dick and Darling Gate. Um, we have another one down in a corner of Government Pembroke, down where the Phyllis Backyard Weekender is there. Oh, yeah. We have, yeah. Um, again, most of those are designed by Butch Dick and Darling Gate, but we produce those. We have another one out in, uh, actually on David Street, 612 David Street, which is uh, on Gorge Road right across from the Co-op Gas. You'll find the Arbutus Mural. As well as up in Souk, if you go to the McCullough Housing sort of building uh, across from the, the ambulance shelter in Souk, heading out to Port Renfrew, you'll see it there. Mm-hmm, cool. And that's the coming home mural. Yeah. And if you want to find some of my work online or see me lift heavy things, go to uh, J-E-S-C underscore art on Instagram. You can right. see my, my grinning face. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, cool. That is all we have for today. I'd like to say, say thank you, Jesse for coming in for an interview. It's been great being able to 
come to your art show with the sacred sacred's the, the title of the show yeah um the show at city hall there is pretty cool witnessing all the different artists that have different pieces within the city hall there and uh, it's been cool checking out your uh art, art pieces on your page i know you also paint little pictures too on paper mm. i really like the crow one that you oh yeah you've done and yeah Heishka, again for coming in all right so that was jesse campbell who is yeah, a local artist. Uh, if you have time, go check out his mural at City Hall or those other places he listed. Uh, I really like the one at City Hall, the Le Quang mural. It's got some pretty cool colors. And now I have some upcoming community events for Husanich, uh in Hujatlip, Sartlip there. We have the community ivy removal. That is tonight at 6 to 8 p.m., Everybody meets at 22 Latesse Road. Join Project Reclaim at our native plant restoration site on Tuesday, July 24th for a community volunteer event. Come prepared with gloves if you have them, but we have extras. We will give a quick site tour and, and overview of Project Reclaim, and then we will work together to remove English ivy, holly, Himalayan blackberry, and we will also be covering invasive grasses. We will provide snacks, refreshments, and tools needed for invasive removal. So that is out in Hujaflup today with the Project Reclaim team. And also, this Friday, July 27th, is the last Uptown Summer Movie Series. And that is at 8.45 to 11 p.m. Snuggle up under the stars every Friday night in July and catch our feature film series. Bring your blankets, pillows, favorite snacks, and a buddy. Arrive at 8.45 p.m. to get your seats and play to win some prizes. Movies start when the sun goes down. And this Friday, July 27th, is Jumanji, Welcome to the Jungle. So that's the new remake of Jumanji. And get yourself gourmet popcorn by Unicorn. Treats every Friday. Arrive early and shop your favorite stores. Open until 9 p.m. And also tonight, July 24th, is the Iroquois social, I'm sorry if I'm going <laughs> to say his name wrong, but Kenentokon Hemlock. That is an event at Open Space tonight from 6 p.m. to 8 p.m. And that's, yeah, Open Space at 510 Fort Street, the second floor. You're invited. Artists, artist and Aboriginal curator Lindsay Delaronde is hosting another Iroquois social at Open Space Tuesday, July 24th from 6 p.m. to 8 p.m. If you missed the last one back in May, this is your chance to gather for a lively celebration of community, song, food, and dance. The evening will begin with a talk by Kanantokan Hemlock, a Mohawk community community bear clan chief from Kanawake. Kanantokan Hemlock is a teacher of language, culture, and history at the Kanawake a survival school, and current grad student at the University of Victoria. The talk will be followed by a community potluck. Folks are encouraged to bring a dish to share from their cultural background. After a hearty feast, Lindsay will lead us in songs and dances. Kids, elders, and everyone in between, welcome. So that is tonight at Open Space. Open Space respectfully acknowledges that we are on unceded First Nations territory. The city of Victoria and surrounding areas lie on the ter- territories of the Coast Salish and Lekwungen-speaking people, including the Esquimalt, Songhees, and Husainich First Nations. Open space is not wheelchair accessible and is accessed by a flight of 15 stairs. 
There are two gender-inclusive washrooms, one multi-stall and one single stall with a urinal. If you have any other questions or concerns about accessibility, please contact openspace at openspace.ca. So that's tonight, and I will Lindsay Delarond will actually be featured on the show next week. And yeah, up next we have an interview with Sarah Jim. She's a local artist from Husainich, from the Husaikum Sycom First Nation out in Pat Bay there. She is the one that created the Will Know Radio logo that you see on the website or that you see CFUV sharing on social media. And here is their interview right now. Mitchell, my name is Sarah Jim. I am from Sycom First Nations in Saanich Territory. I am an artist and I'm also an environmental restorator at Sea Change in Todd Inlet, but mostly I do art and I'm getting my BFA at the University of Victoria. So what kind of art do you make? I mostly make nature-based imagery with psychedelic aspects, so lots of repeating patterns, color, animals, oceans, mountains, uh, lots of space stuff I include. I draw with pen and ink and if I like the design I'll paint it on canvas, driftwood, vinyl records. Um, I also make Coast Salish art. I've been practicing that for the past two or three years. Mm-hmm. Completely self-taught which is not very traditional in the Coast Salish art community but because usually you, you usually have a mentor or something, yeah. someone teaching you but I just have been looking in books, go to the museum, kind of get inspired through other Coast Salish artists. Mm-hmm. And my Coast Salish art reflects that because you can tell it's not very traditional and I haven't been mentored or anything, but mm-hmm. it's my own style and I've been practicing a lot and I've gotten a lot of Coast Salish art commissions and everything. Yeah. So I'm obviously doing something right. <laughs> yeah, yeah, cool. But, yeah. What inspired you to start painting? In high school, I would doodle all class. All I would do was draw. I would, I would also listen, but I would also just draw all class. I would get home and I would draw. I'd be hanging out with friends, I would draw. So it was natural to start painting. And painting really gave me freedom to work with colors and images that I couldn't verbalize. It really helped me understand my thoughts and my surroundings. It grounded me and it still does. It gives me a sense of who I am in this world and what I could do to contribute. And how long have you been painting? I've been creating my whole life. When I was about seven or eight, my mom would enter me in art contests at libraries and it was funny my mom entered me in this one and I won Mm -hmm. she entered my sister and she won but the drawing that she entered for my sister was also mine (laughs) so I won both of them so ever since I was young I was creating drawing making Mm -hmm. jewelry just like guitar but for the last seven or eight years I've been doing it more seriously Mm I was checking out your page and I noticed you do quite a bit of kaleidoscopes and I was just kind of wondering how long that process takes to paint a kaleidoscope painting. So 
I actually made those kaleidoscope paintings for the BFA exhibition for my grad class at UVic. And I made three of them. One was based on the ocean, the other was the land, and the last one was the sky or space. And they were two and a half by two and a half, so they're quite large, and they took multiple hour-long sessions. I used to just start a painting and finish it. Like, I would not stop until I would finish it. Mm-hmm. But now I kind of take my time and do it when I'd like to, not when I am forcing myself. Yep. And I think that makes the process a lot more enjoyable. I kind of really admired your land kaleidoscope just because I noticed it was very detailed and like there's a lot of a lot of stuff in it. Thank you. Um, yeah, I actually renamed that one Sublinary Kaleidoscope. Oh, yeah. And that means... In between the land and the sky, everything in between is sublunary. And that one was inspired by all the land-based plants and nature I, I enjoy, mm-hmm. like mushrooms, mountains, flowers. Yeah. The actual kaleidoscope itself was inspired by the 1960s counterculture. I'm really... What's the word? I really enjoy the patterns, the mandalas, the fractals, the colors from mm-hmm. that era. Yeah. So that kind of inspired the kaleidoscope shape. And then the elements on the inside are your motifs that I, I use throughout my art. So I know some artists deal with it, but I just wanted to know how you uh, deal with the creative block. Like if you're halfway through a painting, but you don't know which direction to take, so how would you deal with What I do to deal with creative block is distract myself so i'll either get up go for a walk have some food sleep be with Mm -hmm. family friends anything else but art i'll just do anything (laughs) else and then i'll come back to it and i'll sit myself down and i'll think okay i've had some time what am i going to do so either i'll know which is kind of rare or i'll just kind of push myself to start drawing or doodling or making sketches and then that might lead to something else or that might lead to a different idea. So I'll just kind of do things I enjoy and then that reflects what I create when I make art. Next question I have is how would you deal with like uh, if you make a mistake or if you kind of mess up on a painting how would you deal with that or how would you fix it? There's not really a straight answer for that. Oh yeah. Um, So when you're, you're making an intricate drawing and yeah. you mess up because mm-hmm. you lose focus, you kind of have to roll with it and fix it in a way that looks good. Yeah. So sometimes mistakes turn into something that you actually really like. But other times you just completely scrap it or paint it white again, start all over. But usually I just try to push through and see what I can imagine the mistake could be, mm-hmm. which is almost the funnest part about it because then you don't it's more unpredictable just see where it takes you do you have a favorite piece of artwork that you have created yourself Hmm. not to toot my own horn but i like a lot of the stuff i make (laughs) oh yeah cool (laughs) but one of my favorites is hanging above my couch right now Mm -hmm. it's about four feet long and three feet high and it's all these giant mushrooms with like space and stars in them with planets as the circles that you see on mushrooms and 
in the middle is this little blue furry creature who's just like a big eyeball he's holding a mushroom oh yeah yeah and i look at it every day and i I just really like it i didn't when i first made it Mm -hmm. and then i grew to love it but that's probably one of my favorites anything with mushrooms in it is awesome Actually, I know you did one of the long houses in front of the legislator um, back in September, I believe it was. But uh, you worked on it before then. But I know they had that big presentation in September. Can you tell me a little bit about that event and that process or how that came up? Yeah, so I found an open call for Indigenous youth artists to design a facade for a longhouse for the One Wave Festival one wave gathering it's now called Mm -hmm. and this one wave gathering celebrates pacific people's culture so i printed out the template for the longhouse i was kind of doodling seeing what i could make in a co-sailor style and i landed on two frogs facing each other and almost touching tongues with waves underneath and waves on the top and that was my design and that the significance of the frogs and the tongues are whenever frogs are depicted touching tongues, it means they're sharing knowledge and wisdom and stories. So I thought that was really appropriate for what the One Wave Gathering is. Mm-hmm. It's a celebration, an honoring, a sharing of culture. So once I made this design, I sent it in, not expecting anything. And a little while later, I got an email saying I won the contest. So I represented the Coast Salish people through my design. Mm -hmm. That's awesome. And you're one of four people, right, that Mm -hmm. were chosen? Yeah. That's cool. And then how long did they have it on display for again? Well, on the day, they kind of erected uh, erected them and had the celebration. And then I think for a week after, the longhouses were up, which is very significant Mm -hmm. due to the fact that it was on the parliament building lawn and that used to be an old village site so the fact that they had longhouses in this like colonized area was really special yeah no i I just doing a little bit of research and that was like about i think they're 20 feet high Mm -hmm. longhouses Mm -hmm. so that was probably pretty cool that yeah the public were able to see that for a week do you have maybe an art dream that you kind of hope to do one day an art dream. I have a lot of dreams. <laughs> dreams are free. <laughs> yeah. So when I first started going to UVic for art, mm-hmm. I just did it because I was a young kid. I like to draw. I like to create. I didn't have any plans. So as I'm finishing my BFA at UVic, I still have no plans. <laughs> but slowly I've been gaining recognition and people are noticing what I'm doing and who I mm-hmm. am. So... I'll probably just continue on the path I'm on and see where it takes me. Mm -hmm. I'm not really the one to make any plans, but Mm -hmm. my ideal future would be making art, doing environmental restoration, living in a cabin in the woods. Oh, cool. (laughs) Thanks. Well, that's good. Next question is, do you have any art shows or sales coming up or anything? Yeah, so I don't have any art shows at the moment, Mm -hmm. but you can go see a few of my paintings at Trees on Yates. Um, I also have a few prints in Illusions. Oh, yeah. And I also sell art at markets. 
So I sell like stickers, prints, posters. I paint on vinyls. You can go buy them at the Q Market Center, Q Center Market. And that's every Sunday from 11 till 3 in front of the Juan de Fuca Library. And I'll be there on July 29th and August 19th. And then another one is called the Pico Night Market, which is at Fernwood Square. That's on a Thursday on August 2nd. Cool. So you could find me there. Yeah, and her stand's called Far Out Art. Mm-hmm. And where can people check you out, like whether they want to... I know you mentioned a little bit other places where they can see your art physically, but yeah, where can they find you? So my, you can find me on Instagram at Zize, that's Z-Z-Z-I-Z-E. You could find me on Facebook at Far Out Art, or I have a website, which is faroutart.ca. And you can also find me on the MOA website, which is the Museum of Anthropology at UBC. I recently won a shirt design contest that they were hosting. And you could go buy the shirt from the website or at the MOA gift shop in Vancouver. Awesome. Greeting, Earthlings. We have now taken over your radio. CFUV 101.9 FM is people-powered radio. To volunteer with us, visit cfuv.ca and click volunteer to complete an application to get involved. Tune in every Thursday night, 6.30 to 8 p.m. for Victoria's longest-running hardcore show, The Action Index. Your source for the latest in hardcore punk, screamo, metal, as well as connecting to all the bands of the past. Only on CFUV 101.9 FM in Victoria. All right, so I hope you all enjoyed that interview with Sarah Jim. She is very talented, so if you get a chance, go check out her website or at the markets that she has mentioned. All right, so that is all for me, Nick, for the hour for Who Will Know Radio. I hope you enjoyed today's episode with the two local artists jesse campbell and sarah jim i'd like to say hi again to them for their time next week i will have two more artists come in for another interview that will be Lindsay de Laurent and eli hurdle so i hope you guys tune in again next week for who will know radio to hear what they have to say about their work and yeah stay tuned to cfuv listening to everything else we have